Hi, I'm your host, Aaron, and welcome to the First Generations Podcast, the show where we dive into the personal experience and knowledge of individuals that paved their path to success on their own terms. From entrepreneurs, professionals, and beyond, we will learn what it takes to walk through their journey and what it means to be first generation. Welcome to the First Generations Podcast. Today's guest is a humor and leadership expert, international speaker, and a pioneer of theories of driving change through humor. She has given over 100 presentations to global audiences in more than 30 countries. She has worked with many large organizations in the public and private sectors like LinkedIn and the UK Department of International Trade. She is a guest lecturer for top business schools and universities such as Cambridge Judge Business School and Oxford University. Her core message is that if you want to build a successful business or career, you must understand the art and science of humor in leadership. She has been featured on the Financial Times, the European Business Review, the Tribune, and Harvard Business Review, France. She is also a seasoned professional with more than 20 years of experience in the areas of communication, marketing, and business development. I am proud to present you our guest today, Dr. Vanessa Marcier. Hi, Vanessa. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. That's good. Glad that you're on our show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have been invited. How has the circumstances been like in Nice, France due to COVID-19? Well, it's been okay. As everybody else, we've been in lockdown for four months and then everything reopened around mid-May, I think. So now the situation is pretty normal, even if we have uh, in some cluster, the virus is coming back. But so far, it's under control. Uh, we just have to be more careful because I guess like everywhere else, people tend to uh, feel like uh, feel free to do whatever they want and they don't necessarily respect the rules. And as a result, <laughs> it's spreading again. Oh, yeah. Like here in Canada, it's, it's actually getting worse. So I would consider us going into our second phase. But now our government's implementing mandatory masks because our rates are rising up even higher now. So that's great to hear, like, France is doing well. Yeah, so during this pandemic, has there been any new and exciting opportunities presented to you? Well, as you know, a crisis is a disruption and an opportunity. So I've used the time in lockdown to shift the business. My business was purely B2B, okay. uh, providing training and consulting to organizations. Okay. And I shifted to B2C. At the moment, trying to make Leading with Humor an educational company dedicated to inspire and empower people through humor and okay. help leaders globally to master a leadership tool for the 21st century. Ah, just a little bit of context. B2B is business to business, right? Yes, business and, to business. And what does B2C mean? Business to, con to consumer. Oh, to consumer. Okay. Yeah, because since the lockdown, I've written for the Harvard Business Review France, spoken at uh, online conferences a lot. Yes. <laughs> organized weekly networking chats in order to, to create connection because I think we were all craving for connection during yes. the lockdown. And I helped clients to cope and thrive through the, the challenging times. Ah, that's some really good work there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like, it was pretty busy. I think lots of people had to shift in a fast way <laughs> their business and adapt yeah. it to online. So there was a lot of trial and errors and finding the right formula. And I realized that as businesses were focusing on shifting themselves, 
I decided to create more connection and help individuals as well. Mm, That's something I, I had in mind for a long time, but let's say that with the COVID, I thought, why not doing it right now? That's the right moment. So from September, we launch virtual classes, regular virtual classes okay. on subjects that are, uh, I would let's say that I will make the conferences that I do for business adaptable, uh, adapted and accessible for uh, for the larger audience. Oh, that's awesome. Looking at your biography and milestones, like you are a very accomplished individual. I'm very curious, like what is Vanessa Marcia's story? How did you come to be and where does humor fit? So in my career, I left many jobs or rather I left many toxic environments where people used humor to secure their power and put people down. Mm -hmm. And working in an environment where humor was used to undermine was not what I wanted for myself. And that is not what I wish for others. I decided to leave the comfort of my corporate job to put my talent as a stand-up comedian, my 20 years career, 20 years business experience, and my ability to solve problems as an academic at the service of others and change the world, as I like to say, one love at a time. Yeah, <laughs> And now I coach, train and advise people and organizations to, to apply the art and science of humor to leadership. Why? Because humor helps people to enhance one of our most precious business currency relationship yes. and improve pr uh, productivity and performance. And how do I do that? Through groundbreaking coaching programs and unique experiential training. Ah, I see. If I was to ask when in your life you came to the realization or awareness that humor is such a necessity in our world and it can be harnessed as a tool to resolve problems, you would probably say that during the time you were still in your corporate job as well then, right? Like Yeah, but it's, it's a very interesting story. In September 2018, I was just off the stage from a comedy gig I, uh, I would organize in Cannes when a lady came up to me and said, thank you. I didn't plan on coming today, but I saw the poster and just decided to walk in. You see, I have cancer. I have undergone chemo for the last year and it's not getting any better. I now have another round to do, but for the first time in a year, today I laughed. Thank you so very much. And it was such a, an emotional and powerful moment that uh. I realized that moments like this make me uh, understand how humor can be a powerful tool. And it's the reason I go back on stage again and again and why I have dedicated my business and my life to humor. I, I would assume during that moment too, you were just rushed with like fulfillment. It was like a confirmation or affirmation of what you're doing. And it's like, yeah, keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, especially as it's, it's coming, it was coming at the moment where when you organize stand up comedy gigs, it's difficult. Marketing is difficult. As I organize the gigs as well as performing, I want the, the room to be filled for the other comedians and, so it's weeks and weeks to, of work to uh, make sure that everybody is coming and to coordinate. And I was thinking, why am I doing that? I have a job and I'm adding, you know, I have to do that in addition to my job. It's a lot of stress. And then this lady came up to me and I was like, okay, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, you're just, you're just doing it out of love. <laughs> it's your passion. So I believe I've, I've actually seen some videos of you, like you performed in Singapore. You basically performed almost all around the world. Like when it comes to this industry, is there a comedian you look up to specifically or that has inspired you to continue this path? So that's, that's very funny because when I, uh, when I did my first workshop on stand-up comedy years ago, I realized that I was pretty much the only one who never watched stand-up comedy before. 
I decided to do stand-up comedy because I was really, really scared of public speaking. I wanted to pick up some tricks to be a better speaker. Yes. Uh, so I don't watch stand-up comedy. I didn't watch stand-up comedy before. Stand-up comedy is not in the French culture, so I never heard of that before uh, oh. moving to London. And that's the, the my English friends who introduced me to uh, stand-up comedy. But since then, I have seen many, many comedians, but probably you don't know any of them because they are all my, my friends, you know, oh. from the stand-up scene, the London stand-up scene. And they are all a huge source of inspiration. Because as a comedian, we all have had to overcome our fear, our fear of the audience, our fear of public speaking. And also, we all have had to positively transform life challenges to make people laugh. Yeah. The stand-up scene in, in London is very supported, and we all help each other. And that's definitely what's keep inspiring me. Oh, wow. Now, I'm curious, too. So when you do shows, and I would assume you would actually have to do shows outside of France, because you, you mentioned there's, it's still, there's no scene, there's no stand-up scene in France. And well, South there is only the, the one I, uh, I provide to the south of France. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a bit in Paris, but oh. uh, I do uh, stand-up in English only. So I have to look for English stand-up show. So I do mostly stand-up in England or where I'm traveling in an English-speaking country. Yeah, you've been over to North America too, if I recall correctly, for stand-up, right? I've done stand-up in U.S. in uh, California. California. Uh, in San, San Francisco. I was booked to do a gig in um, in Louisiana, but it was during the jazz festival, so they canceled it. So it was a huge disappointment because I don't know when I would be next back. Oh, okay. I've done it in Europe. I've done it in uh, well, in England, in Cambridge. In yeah. Paris, in Saint Tropez, in Monaco, in uh, in France, in Portugal, kind of Europe, but in Tel Aviv, I've done it in Singapore. So I tried to use my time when I traveled to do stand-up comedy. That's super exciting. Now, quick question about the atmosphere. When you were doing stand-up in London, or let's say Europe in general, compared to you being doing stand-up in California, were there any differences in terms of stand-up culture? or the crowd, or the different types of humor? <laughs> Do you find that North Americans have dull humor? Well, I was surprised because I went there, I went to San Francisco in 2017. Yeah. So I had prepared some jokes about Trump, and I thought that was going to be a big hit, and nobody laughed. So I was like, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, oh. I was sure it was a good one, but uh, and in, being in California, I thought they were going to find it funny, but they didn't. And it was really, that was very different from London. In London, it's always in a pub, and I, I know very well the English sense of humor, where the gig was at the Mission, which is kind of alternative borrow in, okay. in, uh, in San Francisco. And when I arrived, they told me, we are going to pay you in space cake. Oh. So I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> and everybody was high <laughs> on the show. So that was definitely a new experience. <laughs> oh yeah, def definitely different. <laughs> definitely say that. That's really inspiring too, just even hearing your story of how you got into stand-up because you wanted to become a better speaker or just be able to face your fears and what better way to do so. And not only that, you're also giving value in a sense where you're giving humor back, right? And and like you mentioned, the power of humor, it, it's so just, it is just so powerful and it's something I don't think money can actually 
or the impact of humor to one person, money can't really relate to, right? For me, it's the, it's the biggest power we, we have and we yeah. don't realize it because it's, yeah. everybody has a sense of humor, but nobody is thinking of capitalizing on leveraging it. Yeah. And so that's what I'm offering to, to people. I'm not a comedian teaching to people how to be a comedian. I want, I want you to develop a methodology which will help people to leveraging it in the business world in order to be an asset, to be a tool that managers can use. Yes. Now, your company, Leading with Humor, specializes in consulting and encouraging executives to incorporate the power of humor in their strategies and leadership. Now, personally, I find that humor can be utilized incorrectly in the workplace, kind of like how you mentioned earlier on, like especially when the intent of humor incorporates racism, sexism, or any type of differences between an individual versus the, 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 the other crowd. Now, can you share some tips to how humor can be utilized to its fullest extent without crossing these boundaries? Yeah, we often think there is only one type of humor, ours, yeah. but and and that's that our sense of humor is something that is innate and you can change it, and that's it. You don't think further. I disagree. Like leadership, humor can be innate or acquired, and for me, the first step is awareness, awareness of how you use and receive humor, awareness of your style of humor, because there are different types of humor, and what is your purpose in using humor, awareness of who you are as a person and as a leader. And that's okay. making a huge difference. It's awareness and intention. What intention do you put intention. in humor? Uh... You think about it. If you think what I'm going to, what is the, going to be the consequences or the outcome I want out of this, this joke or this, this banter, then maybe it can stop you to maybe put somebody down or humiliate or discriminate. Because like, what is my real, you know, intention? Is it to make the crowd laugh at the detriment of the other person? Is it, yeah. or is it to connect with that person? For me personally, I've had the privilege of having a boss in the corporate world where, in my opinion, she's probably the best boss I've ever had. And she was the only one I've ever known to utilize humor. And, in fact, not only did I find it to be super effective, but, but it, it helped enforce a lot of positivity. Even during very, I would say, awkward times, especially with other executives. And, <laughs> and it, it's nice to get people to laugh, right? But there are times where I think that the way my boss would use humor... Even though she's super humble, she used it to a point to take responsibility, right? Like, for example, my boss was like a very beautiful lady. She was blonde, blonde hair too. And then sometimes she would use the, the joke like, oh, you know, I'm blonde, you know, right? And I, I think that's a very common, that's a very common joke or, or a common way to use humor just to help level the playing field. But I personally feel that something like that kind of insinuates that it's okay to to use cognitive approach to using humor. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? That's the problem. It's like, that's what I'm saying with intention and awareness. Yeah. People don't understand the impact of this sense of humor on other people. They don't think about it. They don't think of the consequences and they don't think of the, the outcome, they, how in leveraging humor, they could get a positive outcome in the workplace. Yeah. So people, it's commonly believed that using humor at work isn't the good things. In fact, on the contrary, numerous research 
state that workplace humor has a positive impact in the workplace. For instance, it enhances creativity, group cohesiveness, and or the overall organization performance. But only if you use the right type of humor, a positive type of humor. Yes. Another thing is, I believe humor was not as welcomed in the workplace, at least in North America, as many employers in the past believe that that this conflicted with the quality and, and efficiency of work. So I'm not sure if that's like that in Europe, but I was going to ask you, like, why do you believe there's a strong stigma that humor and work are not compatible combinations? Well, yeah. people think that because you are laughing, you are laughing, you are not being serious. And on the contrary, humor is serious business. And actually, when you, uh, when you are laughing, when you are so connecting with other people, when you're happy at work, because everything is down to happiness at work, you're actually 12% more productive. So people who are bosses who are not fostering an atmosphere of positivity, of inclusion, of laughter and fun, it's actually detrimental to their business. Okay, so I'm going to give you a scenario then. Let's say if I'm a very grumpy old man. Actually, let's say, let's say I'm a very grumpy old man. Like maybe I'm an executive with my own company and it's about hard work. It's no humor, no humor. Like, and if you're given five minutes to give me, to try to lighten my mood and give me a different perspective, how would you try to show me that humor is actually more effective? Is there an approach that you would use? Like, what ideas do you have? A lot of comedians, they go to an organization and they are going to shift the perspective in doing something humorous and point or highlight some behavior. Yeah. I choose to, to speak the language of business with data and with research because okay. I'm an academic at heart. So, so that's my language. So I go to a business and I, I explain them. I give them like 30 cases, the latest research and percentage and how they can improve their uh, their performance thanks to humor. For me, humor is a formula, it's a language. And I, uh, I break it down and I teach people how they can use it. I intertwine some funny stories and things like that, but it's not a stand-up show. And people often are like, oh, I thought it was going to be a stand-up show, but I'm, I'm actually learning stuff. That, that is a very interesting approach and... That's a very unique approach. Yeah, it's definitely not the norm, but it's it's always changing, and it kind of coincides with the saying how like life is always changing. It's it can it can never really be status quo because if it is status quo, you're not really learning, right? You're, uh, we're, we as an individual or an organization is not really growing, being more acceptable to new ideas. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been called in France like somebody called me the the comedian researcher. Because I research, like I'm so fascinated by the, the impact and the power of humor that I research it. In a, I'm an associate at the Women in Leadership Center in Cambridge uh, University. So we, we, I research it, I co-author uh, academic paper on it. I contribute to the Harvard Business Review France. So I, I'm just fascinated in, at an academic level. And I try to translate that to a language that business people can understand. Yeah. So what is your ultimate vision and goal you're hoping to achieve by spreading awareness, incorporating a humor-based approach in the world? Is this goal maybe, for example, to, to negate negative humor and see positive humor? Or what is, what is your vision? <laughs> I hope that all around the world, humor will be used to unite people. 
and that bullies who use humor to put people down will not poison the culture of our organization nor our minds anymore. I want organizations to encourage people to be funny and to spread laughter around them and to, in order to unleash a ripple effect that will have the power to change the world one laugh at a time. Uh, yeah, that's so powerful. And especially when you, you mentioned the word unite, because uh, yeah, that's because that's, so that's the thing. I often say to people, with your sense of humor, you have the power to connect with people or to disconnect. Mm-hmm. You have the power to put people down or to lift them up. That's, uh, that's why I, I say that humor is a superpower. Because yeah. as any superhero, you know, you have all this, this power and you, it can be used to, you know, for the good or for the bad. That makes sense. Are there any upcoming projects or shows you have planned for your comedic work, specifically in North America, maybe? Even, even if there's some in Europe or other parts of the world, I'd love to know. Well, for stand-up comedy, uh, now all the, I mean, the stand-up comedy world is online at the moment. I'm doing a few shows. I have a page on, uh, on Facebook with my name. I'm not even hiding it. <laughs> so I put all the shows there. So if people, they want the link and uh, see what I do as a comedian, that's there. Okay. Yeah, that's the project for stand-up comedy. Awesome. And I also presume, too, that page would also give details on, let's say, if once our world goes back to normal or gets to the point where travel is lifted again, that page should also give us details of where your next gigs and shows will be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's where people, they can follow when is the, the next gig. Now... Is there one book you would recommend to our listeners that was most impactful to you in your development in becoming who you are today? Well, I'm a lifelong learner. I have a PhD. I have an MBA. I love to study. So the most impactful book is always the one I'm reading. And uh, I've just finished uh, The Buddha and the Badass by Vishen Lakhiani, who is the CEO of Mindvalley. And highly recommend it because it's talking about self-development and positivity in the workplace. Oh, okay. Now, what does being first generation mean to you? And what does it take to be first generation? So for me, to be first generation is being an innovator. To have the courage to break the rules and cliché, to stand for what we believe in, and to make the world a better place for the second generation. I think it's it's even our duty. I definitely love how you mentioned the second generation too. It's because it kind of goes back to making this world a better place. Yeah, that's why I uh, I have this company leading with humor, but I also teach at university. Yeah. I teach in top business school because I believe that the transformation will come from the top and from the bottom in a sense that I try to transform the the organization by teaching people who are already in a senior position there how to behave and lead teams more positively. But I want to equip the youngest generation with the tools. So when they will be a person in power as well, they will use humor to foster inclusive team and to foster an atmosphere of fun and and humor in uh, in their team and in their organization. Another question I have then is, right now you're in East France. Do you see, see yourself staying in France for a long while or do you see yourself moving to, let's say, a different country, like maybe Switzerland? Because <laughs> you, moved, you moved around quite a bit, right? Yeah, I, uh, I just uh, moved back to Nice, which is my uh, hometown. And I calculated that I moved in tw- the last 20 years, I moved 20 times. Mm-hmm. I, I cheated a bit because I moved something like 10 times in London on, in four years. 
But I think for the moment, I'm quite well here. We have a good lifestyle. My job allows me to be quite flexible. I just need a Wi-Fi connection and, and an airport nearby. That's the ideal scenario for me would be to be based here and to travel around to do my job, which I was doing before, before the COVID, meaning that most of my clients are in UK or in Paris. And I want leading with you more to take over the world. I want to travel to US and to the rest of the world to, uh, to evangelize and convince people to use humor. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Now, lastly, where can we find Vanessa Marcier on social media? Like, where can we find more details about you and your work online? So you can follow Leading with Humor, H-U-M-O-U-R, on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So I have a website, leadingwithhumor.com, and that's where you can find more information about virtual classes, training, and coaching program, and latest news. And I'm also happy as a person to connect with people on LinkedIn or on Twitter. So Vanessa Marcy, easy to find. I think I'm the only one on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. And just to confirm, like, your comedy side, your stand-up comedy side, is that also the Leading with Humor Facebook page or is it a... No, that's, oh, on fa- that's on Facebook. There is a page, Vanessa Marcy. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Awesome. And for our listeners, I'll be listing the links in the description below for the podcast episode. Well... Awesome. I want to thank you for coming on to our show. And it's it's been awesome hearing a different perspective, especially from all the way from Europe, you know. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. And I hope people will enjoy the, the discussion. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube at First Generations Podcast. For any questions, comments, and inquiries, please reach out to Aaron at firstgenerationspodcast.com. That is A-A-R-O-N at firstgenerationspodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next episode.